right, everybody, welcome back to Surviving the Suck. It's another great day to have a conversation. Um, I promised y'all that we would talk about all sorts of different traumas from all different angles and different situations. Well, today I've got a banger. My friend Mary has got a legit horror story. And I'm going to let her tell it instead of even trying to preview the story because she can tell it better than I can. How are we doing today, Mary? Hey, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. Feeling a little nervous, but I'm okay. Oh, this will be absolutely fine, I promise. It's all safe here. Thanks for the reassurance. I appreciate it. It's not a problem at all. So um, how about we start off by just tell, tell everybody who you are as a person post-trauma, just who you are, how you live. Um, well, I live with my, with my wife and my family, and I'm a parent. And that has proven to be sometimes causing me to have to deal with some trauma that I didn't realize I hadn't fully dealt with. Because when you watch your kid going through some similar things, um, it can really make you think about what you're doing as a parent and also what you experienced as a parent. Because when you've experienced so much trauma and horror because of it, um, it can make you realize, like, th this was really not okay. What happened to you was not okay. Also, that you were a child. You were defenseless. You, you're, the people that were supposed to protect you, like, had, like, did not do that. And I kind of feel like, as a parent, it is my job to protect my child, take care of my child, make sure they have a safe environment, make sure that they have the things they need and they learn the skills that they need to be able to survive in society. And I don't feel like my parents necessarily did that. That came from other people as an adult. I do use a lot of coping skills. Um, some of them are a little different. Um, I have some mantra, uh, mantras or mantras, whatever that is. English is my second language. And I use those pretty regularly whenever things happen. I have learned that when you're triggered, it is better to remove yourself from the situation. Use your tools that you have, whatever works for you. For everybody, it can be different. Um, but for me, it's using my mantras, practicing breathing, and reminding myself of where I came from, where I'm at now, all the things that I have done, like becoming a non-conforming Amish person, um, actually kind of, quote, successfully pressing charges against my abusers, although I wouldn't call it successful by any means, um, from a legal perspective, because of how fucked up the laws are, they would consider it successful. Well, since, I don't. Since we're, we're talking about that, how about we start at the beginning on that story? Oh, God. It, it, whatever you feel comfortable with, obviously, I don't oh. want you to say anything that's too triggering. And, you know, if we need to pause, just let me know. And Okay. Well, I mean, I guess I was born and raised Amish. There was a lot of trauma that happened. Um, 
my Amish name is Mary Byler. And in 2004, I became nonconforming and I pressed charges against the people who abused me. Um, as far as I know, I'm the first known person to successfully leave the community and then press charges and actually get anything out of it. Um, there were five people arrested and um, two of them went to prison, one of them for four years, one of them for eight years. Um, one of them who um, sat in the courthouse and told the judge he raped a child close to 75 times, got one year in the county jail with a work release, which I feel is an absolute atrocity. That is. Um, I feel like the legal system has failed um, because those people are all free. Um, two of them are dead now because one of them that was arrested, my parents were arrested for neglect and also physical abuse on my stepfather's part. Um, I've done a lot of things with my life. One of my missions in life is to speak out about the trauma and raise awareness and also to help people who are experiencing trauma or who have experienced trauma. Yeah. <laughs> so the trauma itself. Um, yes. You were obviously you were a child. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out how to word this question because I don't know where you want to go and how you want to take that. Because I mean, I, I know you can easily look up your name and find more detail, but I don't know what part of part of the actual trauma part of the story you want to actually tell. Um, well, so when I was five, I told my parents that I was going to grow up and marry a woman. Um, that did not end up so well. So you don't find that in the story, <laughs> in the news stories, I'll tell you that. I, it took me a long time to actually like be able to talk about that because that is when it all started. That is the first thing that I remember is like, that is the first time I remember having sexual trauma. Um, from my biological father, and he was killed um, by a drunk driver when I was five years old. So I know that at least it was before I was five years old. That's how I know the age. Um, and that kind of started a cycle of events where it turned into people, cousins, um, just general, in general, just people that were sexually assaulting me and I was a child and it continued up until about I want to say 18 19 something like that but I was also 19 when I became non-conforming and so that's kind of when it stopped but there was just a lot of like I, I wasn't safe sleeping in my bed I wasn't safe anywhere and I also disclosed it to my bio mother and she did nothing I mean like nothing like she left me home alone with the people that were abusing me um, that I feel was just a failure on her on her part because she was a mother and she was supposed yeah. to protect me and I actually came to realize that because I'm a parent and I look at my child and I'm like if somebody did that to my child oh no yeah I mean at minimum they're not ever going to be around your child again I mean I mean, like, and that's just the bare, absolute fucking tiniest minimum. That's minimal, minimal effort. So I, I was reading, I read the, uh, that article when, when I, when we started talking and I had looked you up and it, yeah. 
I mean, it, you had literally said that, I mean, you locked yourself in your room, but then when you'd lock yourself in your room, somebody would be coming through the window. That's exactly what happened. I mean, that's, that's insane. I mean, how can you want to hurt somebody that much? I mean, I, and I, I and there's no way that they couldn't see it, have seen it as hurting because it's not just, oh, I want to, you know, for a lack of a better term, because I can't think of one right now, get your rocks off. It, I'm, I mean, it's not, uh, no rational human being is going to just do that. I mean, you, at that point, you've got to be thinking, I want to hurt them in some way, shape or form. Well, I don't know. And you want to know the fucked up part is some of those people that were like that, like they would have, um, there was one of my cousins that would like lock me in a room and then another cousin would climb in through the window and stuff like that. Um, those fuckers are still free. Thanks to the state of Pennsylvania. Fuck you too. Um, they sat on the information for 10 years without really doing anything. And then we're like, oh, and now we can see if we can try to press charges, but it's highly unlikely that anything would stick. And I was like, I can't relive that again. That's that's insane. Because it, literally the statute of limitations ran out because part of the problem is, is in the state of Pennsylvania, Amish people are a huge fucking money source for funding. So yeah. it's literally all about the fucking money. Nobody fucking cares. Nobody cares about what these kids are going through and the community itself does hasn't historically done nothing i do find it promising that in lancaster county i know that there is a case that happened very recently within the last year or two where they um, reported somebody for being a pedophile and the person was actually sentenced to pretty much probably the rest of his life in prison wow. like the bishop reported it Holy and crap, somebody became, actually within the church reported Yes. It. And, and when, when I became non-conforming, that was not at all the, the way that it was. Well, I mean, you had actually reached out within, within the church before you went outside of the church, right? Yep. And it was basically ignored. I mean, it got passed up to a certain level and that was it. It stopped. Well, you know, because here's the thing is that you are supposed to be forgiving. And if you don't forgive your rapist, well, then guess what? You're like now committing a sin that is of the same or equal crime. Like it's just, yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I'm, I'm going to try and you can correct me on this. I'm going to try to explain for people listening uh, what I understand about, you know, the Amish community itself in a base sense really, and not actually about the religion, just kind of how society lives with it. Um, all right, so the way I understand it, if you don't know anything about the Amish community, they have basically an autonomy from the state given to them by the government because they are supposed to be this pious, very peaceful, freaking pure group. And after talking to Mary... And reading a lot, I'm starting to find out they are a lot more than fireplaces and freaking good food. And really good food, I'm going to put that loosely because it depends on what you like 
as far as seasoning. <laughs> but they're they're more than hardworking, physically hardworking folks. They and they're it's it's insane. Some of the stuff you you can actually find if you really want to look, and it's unfortunate that they don't get looked at as heavily as other groups. People people like say uh, Scientology is a cult. I would probably put the Amish on the same level, except they're not taking hundreds of dollars from outside or thousands of dollars from outside people trying to get them into their church. It's more like they're trying to keep people out and keep their collective system in. All right. Correct. I actually, that's a really good assessment. Um, the Amish are a cult. If you know the definition of a cult, they really do meet that definition and they're not, they're given that free pass. Um, part of the problem is, is when you look at the footnotes of Wisconsin versus Yoder that happened in like 19, in the 1971. Yes. That one. If you look at the footnotes of that, it's actually written in there that the Amish do not commit crimes, which is a lie because they are people. They are people just like the rest of society. People need to start, stop looking at them as like these hardworking um, utopian society and actually see them for what they are. They're people. They can do wrong. There are murderers. There are rapists. The part of the problem is, is the church itself has been given leeway to do whatever they please with those people. And so, for example, I actually sat in church and watched a rapist confess that he sinned because he raped somebody. And the victim at the same fucking church confessed that she sinned because she enticed somebody to rape her. And I'm sorry, but that is not an option. This was a minor child that was 17. There is no way that a child is asking to be raped. That does not happen. I don't really know anybody that can be and can ask to be raped. I mean, people with rape fantasies or whatever, but that's but even, kind of on a different level. But even people with rape fantasies, if you look that up and you actually start learning about it, like they usually act that out in a consensual way. So there well, is that's like what I mean. a consent is given. The, a child can't consent to sex, first off. That's just period across the board. Children cannot consent to sex. And so it's, it's kind of like a really fucked up thing because it's like, you know, you as an Amish woman, like if your dress is half an inch too short, well, that's the reason you got raped or like. If, <laughs> so you're a whore if it's a half an inch too short. Or if your dress is too tight or too loose or too well fitting or there's a million fucking reasons and excuses. that God people forbid you make. gain a little bit of weight. <laughs> oh, my God. And heaven forbid you should have a shape. Because, you know, curvy women, that's that's just you're you're asking for it. Fucking temptress. Um, I, I don't know if you saw like the article that Paul Levy wrote for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Um, he actually went out and interviewed the bishop of my church. And, I actually think that might have been the first one I read. And um, some of the things that my community had to say, like. Were really atrocious. Um, blaming me for being raped as a child. If it happened that many times, you know, she must have been asking for it. Or like my own egg donor, um, 
she told me that I was about 13, about the same age as my child. And this is what I'm talking about, parenting with a child. Sometimes it makes you face things. So this is one of them. Um, so she, I was around 13 when she said this. Um, what she told me is that I'm being raped because I'm not praying hard enough. And if I didn't really mean it when I prayed, that's why. So Kind of like clearly, it was punishment. It, it's it's not even that is that I don't believe I don't believe in Jesus enough and I don't pray hard enough and so it's like in a roundabout way that's like literally victim blaming and shaming because it's making me feel like I'm not doing the right things for my community in the first place that's something that is brainwashed into you is that you're supposed to believe in this wholeheartedly and you're supposed to follow it and if you don't do these things, you're going, your, your soul is damned. So wow. not only that, so now my soul is also damned because I'm not believing enough. So, you know, that's kind of been coming up a little bit because my child's at the same age and it's kind of making me look at that. And I'm just like, that's a really, really fucked up thing to say. Yeah, not even no just shit. to a child. Even if you say that to an adult, that's fucked up. I mean, I hear hear people say similar shit, not, thank God, not about, you know, you know, somebody being sexually assaulted, but like, you know, somebody's having a hard time. Oh, you're, you just need to pray more. Motherfucker, that doesn't always work. He ain't just going to give you shit. I mean. I mean. That, it, 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 I, I'm not, I don't down anybody with faith by any um, means. But I think that people bury their faith too deeply and lose their self-sufficiency because of their faith. And whether it's faith in, you know, a church or faith in a government or a spouse or something, they lose their self in that faith. I think when people say something like, um, you know, you just need to get over it. You just need to put it in the past and leave it there. Um, you just need to pray harder. I think generally, from my opinion and my outside perspective, not knowing because I would I really try hard not to say that kind of stuff to people because that is not helpful. It, it just feels like it's not necessarily that they don't care about what you're saying. It's more or less what you're talking about makes them so uncomfortable that they just want it to go away. Yeah, and they don't exactly know how to respond in any kind of helpful manner. It could be through ignorance or they just, they're that uncomfortable that they want it to disappear. Like, all right, can we get out of this conversation already? Um, yeah, pretty much. It, whether it's ignorance, whatever it is, it's just a matter of like, they're literally mentally not capable of being supportive to you. And for some people, I've actually discovered that the reason that they're initially so um, uncomfortable is because they themselves have experienced trauma and they've yeah. never dealt with it. They've never healed from it. They've never worked through it. They've never actually like admitted that it was trauma. Yeah. So That's, it makes. No, no, go ahead. So it makes the denial. They're still in the denial stage of the trauma because there's stages you go through. Oh, absolutely. But you I were mean, saying. Um, I was going to say, that with with all that being said, that's actually kind of the point of this show is to, one, for you and I, because we both deal with trauma issues, it's kind of cathartic in its own way to be able to kind of get it out and talk about it. This is a big-ass stage to be talking about it, but 
it's kind of cathartic in that way. It also maybe will show other people that they're not alone and maybe help them cope with their own issue. And people that aren't dealing with direct issues or minor issues, maybe they'll help them realize that these, that we're not, you know, fucked up for no reason. And we are trying to work through it. We just don't always know how. Well, and that's, you know, going back to like coping skills, let's talk about that for a minute. So when you talk about like the coping strategies, so, you know, there's a common one that is like five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, and two things you can smell, or one thing you can taste. Now, the thing about that is that doesn't work for me. I literally Mm. cannot, I cannot change the numbers. I cannot, if I do five things for each one of them, it actually works. Um, honestly through, it, it did help me out monday when when i was having that panic attack and you helped me through it that seriously helped out a lot and yes i still have panic attacks people i freak out all the damn time i mean i do too it's it's pretty nasty sometimes well and sometimes it really helps to have somebody who kind of like knows what it's like to experience panic to help you walk through it sometimes that really helps so like I've let people in my life know like hey you know if this happens don't touch me ask me if there's anything you can do and remind me of how far I've come I've come a long fucking ways from being that little girl that wasn't safe I've come a really long way I am safe nowadays I, I definitely don't tolerate anybody mistreating me that way. Like, just, no. I won't even tolerate mental abuse from people. No, Facts. No. I, I just, I can't. If I don't allow my own bio family to do that, why would I, lo- I allow other people outside of there to do that? Yeah. All right, so um, back to the, the story itself, all right? Um, so y- you were being raped and when you got older you actually wrote a letter to the church was that before or after you actually joined the church to try to escape the situation like physically joined the the active body of the church okay let's talk about joining the church is it really a choice well probably not i mean popular culture says it's a choice People like fucking Donald Crable say it's a choice. But is it really? Is it really a choice when you've been brainwashed your entire fucking life to well, believe? It's probably an if, obligation. If you do not do this thing, you're going to be damned and burn in fiery hell for everlasting. Is that really a choice? Is it really a choice if, like, you do not join the church, you're going to be treated differently? Is it really a choice when people try to bribe you to join the church? Like, oh, if if you join the church, then I will do this for you. Are you fucking kidding me? That's not a choice. No, and that's that, coercion um, for sure. Um, so that ties into Rumspringa. And the misconception about Rumspringa, there's a lot of those. Um, so... Communities are all different. I was going to say, explain what what that is to other people. I'm pretty sure it's a common knowledge thing, but just to give an actual perspective of what it's actually supposed to be and then what it actually is is fine. So communities are all different. 
and they have different rules. And about, I want to say every six months, the bishop, ministers, and deacons all get together and they rewrite what's called the ordinance brief. And then that is the rules for their community because, you know, it's all men. Men make all the rules and just, yeah, anyways. So they make those rules. And Rumspringe is one of those things. Well, actually, the reason I was talking about that, let me let me strike that. So the reason they make those rules, the reason I'm talking about those rules is because the the communities themselves are different. I lived in five different communities. The common knowledge of Rumspringe is that it is a time for the youth to go out and experience the world. Out of all five of those communities that I lived in, that was not the case. Rumspringe was a time once you turn 16 or 17. Also, the age on Wikipedia is wrong because I've never heard of an Amish community allowing Rumspringe at 13. But once you turn like 16 or 17, you're allowed to go to their Sunday youth groups because they have Sunday youth groups and you're allowed to go to that. Um, you're allowed to date within the community and it's expected of you that you will join the church. In some communities, I hear, like northern Indiana, um, they might like expect Rumspringa to culminate when they join the church. It doesn't actually end in the communities I lived in until like you got married or like you were too old. Because there are some Amish people who do not ever get married. But they're kind of like treated differently because you're supposed to get married and have children and contribute to the community. Contribute to growing the community and not and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not this at least from your experience, it's not the stereotypical what what us outside see as basically a freaking a Mardi Gras of debauchery, of extreme debauchery for, for religious people. Um, exactly. Exactly. Because, I mean, what, what, you, what we, we see in, say, movies that even relate or TV shows that relate to freaking Amish life, it's like this thing where they go out and, you know, drive a car and go to parties and stuff. And they also make it look like, you know, it happens when you're later, like in your early twenties, which, uh, which I seemed like seemed seemed to me always look like a high number. I was like, why the hell would you know their adulthood be later on rather than earlier when they thrive on having a workforce? Um, they actually view you're not considered an adult in the Amish community until you're twenty one. Really? How? However, comma, you're allowed to go to go do your rumspringa, like in most Amish communities. I don't know about the rest of them, but I do know from mine, it was 21. Um, and you're allowed to go and get married before you're 21. Matter of fact, a lot of times you're considered an old maid or like a bachelor if you're not married before you're like 20. Holy crap. So it's it's kind of like a you know a control thing I think because it's like when you're 
20, like you get married, you start having kids. Cause that's the other thing is they don't use birth control. And, and so like you start having kids, like, for example, I have a 23 year old sister that I know for a fact has two children. And it's like, you know, just then they end up in this situation. Like, even if they think about these things, like they may not necessarily be able to actually financially leave the community or they may be so brainwashed into it that they don't believe that they can leave the community. Yeah. Um, all right. So when you, uh, when you, uh, wrote the, took, took things public or I guess went to the public in the church sense with the letter, the, the article I read, it said that you, you'd done it kind of you, cause you were concerned for your sister. Yes. I have to, I don't remember reading anything follow up on that. Did it even help your sister at all? She was placed within another Amish home that was an unlicensed home. They were not qualified to give fucking foster care. I feel like that's an atrocity and again, an, a failure. It's a win because she was removed from the home. It's a failure because they placed her into another brainwashing society. So they took her out of the home that they knew was being abuse, abusive, but put her in one that they didn't have any freaking clue about. Exactly. Because that's better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like, you know, stick with the evil you know. Kind of, sort of. But and they they decided to go the other way and say, nope, fuck it. <laughs> yep. And then... Um... Again, like, I feel like that's a failure on our legal system. Like, that's just not okay. Um, the thing about my sister is, is I finally, I didn't see her for 15 years. The community tried to, they would say all kinds of stuff to me. Like, oh, well, you know, she really misses you. She really wants to see you. Blah, 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 blah. Trying to bait stuff. you back into getting to con becoming a conforming Amish person again. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to conform, but you say she wants to see me. Let me see her. And um, that never happened for 15 years. Um, she finally got married, and I, I actually did see her. Um, she told me never to come back. Oh, really? Like, it was bad? Like, they kind of got her, I'm guessing. She, um, she, um, is married to a man who kind of basically tried to, he, he said, well, um, she doesn't want to talk to you. And I was like, really have her come tell me that herself. And he didn't really like that. Then he tried telling me I had to come back to the community and, you know, there's no hope for my soul. And I said, you know, I find it funny that you're sitting here telling me this when really, truly, you know, you're going off the word of like a bishop and ministers that like literally did nothing to help my situation. Telling me to pray is not going to help that situation if I'm living in a house that is unsafe. Secondly, it happened to me. And it happened to my sister. And lastly, when you go through what I went through, where 
I reported what happened to me and people were arrested and then the community abandoned me. Not only did they abandon me, they blamed me for it. And not only did they blame me for it, they shunned me. And until I moved away, they harassed me through the legal system. And they told everybody that it was my fault. And they showed up in court supporting these people, crying for them. So until you've experienced that, I don't feel like you should even be talking to me. No, I totally understand that. And um, he eventually did let my sister talk to me. But basically, it, I, I explained why I left her and... She asked me never to come back. I'm sorry. That's that's really unfortunate. It's um kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, I I can I can assume that it's pretty heartbreaking. You ready? Yep. Um so Mary, we were talking about your sister. I'm not sure if you've got anything else you want to address on that or if you want to just move on to something else? Well, I'm not exactly sure how much I said about her, but I do think it is a terrible, terrible thing that, you know, when you involve Child Protective Services and Amish children, like, they don't necessarily have to place them into a licensed home for foster care or, you know, maybe follow the same rules as when it applies to other children in America. So the only real stipulation is, in, for the, if I'm getting this right, is basically that they have to put them within the community. That's what they did. That's so kind of the, what I got out of it. Because, I mean, I, I'm just assuming that they wouldn't, you know, they don't just, you know, say take one, take an Amish child and put them with... Uh, an outside family, you know, that's not in the Amish faith. Right. Because that would open up potential for the child not to be like as brainwashed. Yeah. Um, but also like that's, that's where you can start talking about language barriers again. It's like, there is a complete lack of understanding I find about the community because as children like first off you're just learning your your second and third language and when you're just learning your second and third third you're going to hear the Amish accent come out your second and third language um it can be really hard to even communicate with people in that second and third language but I do believe it's possible it's just a matter of like time and patience and that also just made me think of something crazy real quick all right so and i'm sorry i cut you off but i just i, I i'm gonna lose my thought um it, we were when we were taking a break i made the comment that crossing into society from from the amish community it's almost like you're an immigrant but you've been here your whole life so I mean, that, I don't know, that just blows my fucking mind. I, I don't even know. I've never really thought of it in that aspect, but yes, it almost is. Like, because the other part of that is, is I, I think I'm done talking about my sister, by the way. Um, the other part of That's that is um, when you, um, when you start like 
you know, crossing over into other the other society, American society, as an Amish person born in America. Um, so, like, for example, I didn't have a birth certificate. I didn't have a social security number. I didn't have a high school education. And here I am, 19 years old, trying to get a job where I really, literally don't fucking exist anywhere. Yeah. And it's not saying, like, you know, so generally... Kids at least have a fucking birth certificate. I also didn't have a driver's license. So what do you need to get a social security number? A fucking driver's license or some form of state ID. How do you get a driver's license? Oh, wait. Birth certificate, social security number. <laughs> so you see the dilemma? This, yeah. This is, it's literally like this fucking dilemma. And I had to go around and get like letters from people saying that, and if I remember correctly, it was notarized, saying that I was who I said I was, and all of that. And it took Wait, so you had to go back into the community to get letters to no, get normal from ID. Other, okay. from, oh. They did accept them from other people that did have IDs. Oh, all right. I was like, fuck, that would be just jacked up if they made you go back into the community you were abused in. Uh, just no. to get confirmation that you were who you said you were. No. Just to get a fucking state-issued driver's license. No, I know people that it has taken them two years to get a birth certificate. It took months for me to get my social security number. And, you know, the thing about that is, is can you work without all of those documents? Like, can you have a legit job? No. You so need you, some form of state, state ID, two forms of state ID, really. You, you have One to photo have, and one non. Exactly. So I'm sitting there. And I'm first off, I'm living off the mercy of people I know because I don't have a home. I don't have clothes to wear because those clothes are atrocious. And I literally just have nothing. And I don't exist. And I'm trying to get a job. And you can't get a job. And so you're kind of stuck in this hard place because also, you know, your employment history before then, oh, wait, you were an Amish woman. Does it matter if you were even, it, it literally doesn't matter if you worked on the family farm or what you did. It does not fucking matter because you cannot get job references. You cannot get your, you don't have an ID. You don't, you just have none of the things that you need to be able to survive. And that is why, unfortunately, there's a lot of um, people that have a lot of trouble Sometimes when people become non-conforming, they tend to go join other churches. Um, sometimes they tend to go off the rockers and go party a lot. And when I say party a lot, I know people that became addicted to heroin. I know people that drank a lot of fucking alcohol. A lot. Because that was the way that they were dealing with this. Um. It just ends up being this almost overwhelming process. But you can do it as long as you just take it one step at a time. And eventually you'll get there. Um, it just, I had to go back to school. I had to go pay for a high school diploma, which again, that's supposed to be like every child in America is supposed to have the right to have an education, right? free and yeah. appropriate education where the fuck's my right to a free and appropriate education. If I have to go pay for my fucking high school diploma, how's that white privilege? 
I'm just making a freaking off color joke. God damn. I'm just saying, like, where the fuck's my right? Oh, wait, nobody cares because you were born Amish. So Wisconsin versus Yoder means they don't have to do that. They don't have to do anything. You have no civil liberties. I mean, basically, whatever you, whatever rights you have, were essentially given to you by the church, right? And taken once you left the church. And you know, just like all the things, like when you when you're required to have job references and all these other things, it's kind of like this whole. It, it literally, like it, it. I don't even know how to describe what it felt like to go through that <clears throat> yeah because I, couldn't, it's, I couldn't imagine it's completely overwhelming all right so it, they they threw you got thrown into this situation where you had no ability to have anything you had people helping you that you knew out of the kindness of their hearts thank god for those people or Ganesh or whoever the fuck you believe in, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But, um, but thankfully, there are still decent people in the world. Yes, um, there are still decent people in the world. So as with no work experience, how, what, what did you end up doing? I ended up working in the sweatshop sewing oh, on shit. military uniforms. I made $4.63 an hour, and it could only be part-time because they did not want to give me benefits. Wait a second. There are sweatshops in America? Yes. Oh, it's no. literally a big tin fucking building completely filled with industrial sewing machines that we used to sew together the... Um, oh, my God. I forget the actual name of it. But it's like the, the rain gear. Oh, the, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. I should have I should have put Sark Mark in there somewhere, but <laughs> <laughs> believe me, I know these things exist. And anybody yes. that's ever heard my show, they know that I'm freaking I'm not blind to this. This slavery exists in the in the country too. I mean, illegal immigrants, people that come out of cultures like yours that um, you grew up in. I mean, you you can't get anything because you have no documentation. You have to take these cash jobs. And then, then the the holier than thou society section of society freaking frowns on it, and oh, yeah. frowns on it and or ignores it, like uh-huh. it's not even fucking happening. Uh huh. Which also does... opens things up like more uh, possible sexual abuse or human trafficking. Uh, I mean, oh yep. my fucking lord. Yep. And then I ended up actually getting, um, I eventually got a pretty decent job. I was working at a housekeeper. I mean, for somebody with a high school, not even like a high school diploma, like getting a job as a housekeeper, as a housekeeper at a hospital, that's a pretty good job, right? Yeah, that, that's a great job, you know, I especially had, with nothing, nothing to start at, you know. I had to resign from that job because I had to move away from my community because they um, were harassing me to the point where it was like, I couldn't even, I went to go visit my therapist. I went for an appointment with my therapist and I was driving to my therapist's office and I got pulled over and asked, questioned on my whereabouts because the community reported that 
I was out there and I was scaring their horses and I was like doing all these things. And here's the thing. It wasn't me. I wasn't even out there. I was on the clock. I literally could not even possibly have been there. But it's like they kept harassing me. And then they started like questioning the people that I knew, like the not Amish people that I knew, like literally following them home from work and questioning them as to my whereabouts. And when that happened, I was like, all right. Y'all are clearly going to continue to harass me because, dear fucking God, I reported abuse and it was prosecuted. Yeah. How dare I? Well, you attacked the church. That was not an attack of the church. And lastly, if they <laughs> didn't their eyes, it was an attack. Then maybe they should have fucking did something about it. And I don't mean putting somebody in the band for six weeks. That is not a fucking punishment for a fucking rapist. No. Especially when, didn't you get punished as well for for uh, it happening? That one wasn't me. Oh, but yeah, that was somebody became, else. Yeah, that's right. I became non-conforming and they shunned me. They did the same fucking thing that they did to the rapist. Except the rapist only lasted for six weeks because they're so good Amish men. They, they needed fucking hands. Mine's lifetime, huh, pretty much, because I'm never going to conform to their bullshit. Yeah. So, um, yes, I'm shunned. Yes. You know, it's, absolutely. It's, I know I've mentioned this in, you know, private conversation with you, but it's, it's funny. Scientology is very, very similar. You leave and become non-conforming to their church and they attack you the same freaking way, except they do a lot of legal shit. I guess that's the one upside to the Amish is they don't really like the system. They like it when it works for them. Oh, like, like a corporation. Okay. Yeah, they literally use the legal system. Like their whole thing was, is we're going to call the cops enough. We're going to call the local sheriff's department enough to the point where, you know, it's just harassing. It's harassment. Yeah. It's harassment through the legal system. Yeah. And my options at that point were literally hire an attorney and try to fight them in court again. Or yeah. remove myself from their equation. So I chose to remove myself from their equation because there was a lot of trauma that happened. And I just can't. I'm like, yeah. no. Um, and that's not even just the physical trauma that we, we talked about earlier. That's your, your education. Oh, uh, the, the way society, the, the society inside, inside the Amish community was run. I mean... Not one to preach on the patriarchy or anything, but it's really patriarchal. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, you should. If that culture doesn't turn you into a feminist of some sort, <laughs> uh, I mean, you're out of your damn mind. It almost makes me want to be feminist just against Amish people. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, kind of, sort of. Uh, I think that for me, um, one of the things that I just can't, couldn't, couldn't comprehend or grasp or understand was like, why is it that as a woman you're supposed to like lower your eyes to the men, like you're you're not as good as them? And it didn't matter what men, right? Did that include like your siblings that were male? Oh or? yeah, it's just in general when you talk to men, you're supposed to like be respectful, especially in public, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so um, 
that just yeah i don't uh no go ahead go ahead i don't really know how to describe it but for me it it like blew my mind that it's like you're supposed to be this subservient woman and first off anybody who's ever met me will tell you i'm not that person we've only known known each other a couple weeks i know this (laughs) i'm not that person i've never been that person and I will never be that person. Um, the the thing about it is, is they put this out there, like they, they try to teach you that you're supposed to be this subservient woman. You're supposed to yield to the man of the house, whoever that may be. And then from there, it goes to the ministers and the deacon and the bishop of the church. And you're, that, those, that's your patriarchal structure because you know there's no Amish woman that is a minister deacon or bishop all of it is the men you know it's actually very uh very similar to Islamic patriarch patriarchy too um when I was in Iraq I remember seeing uh more traditional families you know um they would be you'd have the the father he'd be walking not maybe with just his walking stick and you have the older son, the younger son, and then the wife. And maybe sometimes if they had a mule, the mule would be before the wife. And the wife would be carrying just as much as that mule is carrying half the damn time. It was it was insane. Yep. There were people that I saw treat their horse better than they treated their wife. Like- that... that- Go ahead. No, no, it's just it's insane how how that that works. I mean, I mean, she's not just a tool, you know. She's a fucking person. Y'all are the same species, for crap's sake. Oh, and I listened to a woman who had like fourteen children confess that she did not uphold her marriage bed properly. You had fourteen children. How did you not uphold your marriage bed properly? Oh, goodness. I'm so confused. I don't understand this. And let's not even talk about the guys who go in and confess that they fuck their animals. Oh, Jesus. That's also very common in Islamic culture, too. (laughs) I mean, like, you want to talk about it? Oh, here's another thing is when you get baptized... You know, you are told and you make a promise that is between you, God, and the church, and you're not supposed to go tell church business to outsiders. That's oh, man, you're breaking all sorts of rules. Part of the, um, what do I call it, brainwashing, the manipulative culture, which is why, like, there's a lot of, like, non-conforming people even that will not say bad things about the Amish, like, bad things or real things or whatever, like, things like this. They won't talk about it. And they'll get and mad at me for talking about it. That's another very big similarity to Scientology, even. And you don't in, know anything outside of the... the and, no, Mormonism's not quite that bad. Not that I'm bashing on anybody's religion. I'm just saying from the stereotypes that I've heard on Mormonism, I don't know that religion very well. Um. Well, as far as religion goes, I just feel like it's often... Not bashing on anybody's religion, but I feel like, in my opinion, after observing and studying and learning a little bit about a lot of different religions, 
that most of it is just a piss poor excuse for somebody to not take responsibility for their actions and to feel better about themselves. Yeah, I've kind of noticed that myself. And I mean, there are some people that obviously the exceptions to the rule that are they're say, they're following it the way it was the way it was actually intended? written yeah intended not the way it's written or interpreted well and here's the other thing like uh, i don't think we should talk about religion because i'm going to go off on this tangent yes well, yeah let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and stay away from that one I, I try to avoid it most of the time. It, it's been brought up a couple times, and I, I go with it usually. But um, I, I just I, I know myself, and I know I'm going to say I have a lot to say about religion. <laughs> Let's stick to the one we actually know. Yeah, I'm I'm cool. Yeah. Um, no, so um, they just they have this control over their members. Their this, it's like they have this brainwashing that happens your whole life, you know, when you're a little kid. Um, another thing that I've seen happen that, you know, as a child, it was normal to see. And as an adult, and being away from that, and thinking back on it, this is a terrible thing. If you go to church, and you're in church, and you're holding your baby, and your baby cries, and cries, and cries... Why are you spanking your baby? It's a fucking baby. It doesn't understand. Why are you spanking your baby? That's... Babies only cry when they need something. <laughs> I mean... I mean, like, it's mind-boggling to me, and I really had to face that when I had my own child, and I looked at my child, and I'm like, why would they do this to a child? This, this is a baby that doesn't, they cry for reasons. There's literally no fucking reason the baby cries except there is some need that they have. Exactly. Literally. And so that's why I say it starts at birth. It literally starts at birth. They break you down before you can be built up. But they break you down before you had any foundation to begin with so they can build the foundation they want you to have. Oh, and, and let's also talk about, like, physical touch. So, have you ever observed Amish people hugging? Never. Why do you think that is? Um, public displays of affection are frowned on. Hmm. I assume they're probably a sin. Because uh, everything's a sin in the Amish community. You know, there's, there's a lot of fucking rules, you know. Um, so, in, like... For example, like, so you spank your baby, but but you don't hug your children. All you do is do a handshake, and that's it. Like, when people come to visit, it's a handshake. If you're doing um, the communion church, it'll be a handshake, foot washing, and the holy kiss, and that's it. Like, there's, there's no, like, there's a real lack of actually meeting physical affection needs. And if, if you talk about it and you look at it from, like, Maslow's hierarchy of needs... I don't know if you've ever seen that or if you even know what I'm talking about. Nope. But I'm listening. Um, well, it's kind of like this, this structure of like, it's a pyramid of needs. And I don't know if it's still widely used, but way back when, when I did um, some, some classes, uh, 
that was one of the things that came up and they were talking about Maslow's here of needs. So you, you have this pyramid and on the bottom is like your basic needs. <clears throat> and then it kind of goes up into different needs that we have. So like, you know, if you have food, shelter and water, then you can meet other needs. But like, if you haven't met those needs, you can't move up. So like, for example, um, so if you talk about the physiological needs, so again, such as air, food, water, shelter, sleep, clothing, um, reproduction, those are the physiological needs. And then you, um, once those are met, then you can meet the safety needs, which is personal security, employment, resources, health, property. Love and belonging, friendship, intimacy, family, a sense of connection. Like you just keep moving up the pyramid, but you can't meet any one of those needs above before the basic needs have been met. So the first three are the basic needs. It's like so, building a house without a foundation. Right. So if you don't have those first three needs met, so how the hell are they building this house? Because the last two are going to be esteem, respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, freedom, and self-actualization, which is achieving one's potential, your full potential. So how can you, I just don't understand it because they don't well, meet the needs. Probably of, the intention. And that seems like a very abusive thing for me. Um, no, from absolutely cultural, it is. From a cultural perspective and from the perspective of the parent and from somebody that was raised in it, I feel like it's very um, abusive. I mean, they're and not exactly accepting new members, a, yeah, you know, from the outside. So, I mean, kind of like the new blood thing we talked about off air. Oh yeah. That one. <laughs> I mean, how do you get new blood if you're not accepting new members? Well, well, I'm I mean, that's you a really good, um, you know, question because you don't, it ends up that you're being fucking inbred and then you have, which believe it that's or not, recycled blood, really. Most people don't know this, but in the 200 years that the Amish have been here, they have mostly been kind of inbred. And so they have like various metabolic disorders, dwarfism, angel man syndrome just to name a few that really are due to the fuck is angel man syndrome you don't know what angel man syndrome is no i've never even heard of that one it sounds pretty self-explanatory but i have never heard of it well they i don't really know how to explain it so i'm go google it for you it's a complex <laughs> genetic disorder that primarily affects the nervous system Delayed development, intellectual disability, severe speech impairment, and problems with move and balance. Holy shit. And it's <clears throat> actually a um, disease called maple syrup urine disease that is like actually specific to the Amish. And you're unable to process certain protein building blocks properly because of it. Holy shit. Like, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of problems with it. Um, because of that, because of that lack of new blood, because of that lack of all of that, like, you know, um, it, it's, there's, 
there's a lot of genetic problems. And how did I find out about this? Please ask. How did you find out about this? Because I had a child. And when I was pregnant, there was a problem with the ultrasound. And they thought there was a spot on my child's brain, a cyst. And there was. And they sent me for um, genetic counseling. And because of the fact that I was born Amish, do you know the risk of um, me having a child with birth defects increased by a lot? Due to the inbreeding? Yes. That's how I learned about this. That's the first time I was really made aware of it because when you're within the community, again, don't you don't you. have access it's just to not about. It's just, oh, they have this and that's so terrible and it's the will of God. Yeah. Yeah, I've read that in a lot of articles. That the will of God is their excuse for everything. So, I mean, that's not really an excuse. It's a fact that what you're doing here is inbreeding. And that is what's causing this. Like, you know, there's there's this thing called science that we're not taught that. Oh, that's something we actually need to go into, too, is like how the just the education system itself doesn't teach you anything and it's in its own way abuse and can cause these issues. I mean, it obviously affected you too, because you said what um, you ended up with about an eighth grade education. Yep. And science was not something they talked about. Negative. Their math wasn't up to par with the rest of the world. Nope. Um, language arts, not really important. Nope. And your physical, I'm assuming, was just based on what you were doing on your everyday life. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of, sort of. Um, as far as like health education, did not exist. As yeah, I was gonna say, I know that the sex education was frown definitely a no-no. No, I mean, like, sex education kind of consisted of your mother telling you you have to do whatever your husband says you're going to do whenever oh, he wants. So that, that was your, that was your birds and bees That's, talk. That's my whole sex education, pretty much. <laughs> you're going to do what you're told. God. <laughs> oh, man. Because, you know, women don't have rights. If I was to believe what they say, women don't have brains either. <laughs> well, you know, that's why women can't be in positions of power within the church, because we're going to read the Bible wrong. Listen, I think that. No, no, let me stay away from that one. <laughs> I'm going to go into another religion. Nope. 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 Not doing it. Sorry. I'm being really sarcastic a little bit because. <laughs> I, I have me, fun with it. Let me, let me explain why I say that. I say that because when I was in my teens, I read the Bible cover to cover multiple times. I had questions, questions that they did not like. And they could not answer. And instead of answering it, they told me I'm reading the Bible wrong and I'm reading too much of it and I should stop reading it. You're letting your feelings in, involve your into your interpretation. You just need to stop. You can't have those feelings. I mean, I mean, I may have kind of asked why, like, you know, rapists can be stoned sometimes. And I may have asked, like, if it tells you... Um, I don't remember the exact verse, but, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about, like, you know, the government obeying the government because God has put the government in power. And so I ask, like, why don't we can 
platform to the government because the government says we should have these rights you know we should be going to high school and that's kind of really frowned upon yeah yeah you shouldn't ask those questions so yes i was told i was reading so, the bible wrong were you, okay when you were talking about the government thing you're talking about the um the verse uh, in in matthew about uh, uh render to caesar what is caesar's where God has put him in power? It basically. Um, it, this one, it, um, Matthew twenty two twenty one, is uh, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and God the, thing, the things that are God's. Um, no, there's another one. Or maybe, um, let's see. Uh, Romans 13, 1. That's let, it. Let every person be in, in subjugation of governing authorities. Yes, that one. That's yeah. the one. Fucking Google, like for as evil as that shit is, <laughs> helps this this yeah on the fly information work. Oh, and you know another one is you know they have the spare the rod, spoil the child thing, but there's also oh. like the New Testament came and that's supposed to Jesus came and he supposedly changed everything and we're not supposed to abide by the Old Testament, and then it's um there's like this whole section where he's talking about fathers should love their children and they should like teach them in the ways they should go and stuff like that. And I'm like, so if you're hurting your child, then how the fuck are you loving your child? Exactly. If you're deliberately hurting your child, like this is something like morally, I can't, I can't understand it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing to have say, a punishment system. A just punishment system. And another thing to just be a total D-bag and yeah. beat the hell out of your kid. Or neglect your kid or verbally or mentally abuse them. Or take a hacksaw and leave, leave um, you know, marks on your Jesus kid. Jesus Christ. Take a fucking chain and leave marks on your kid. Or, you know, grab whatever's around and just use it to beat God the damn, shit out got, of your kid. I got my ass beat with a lot of fucking things, but hacksaw like a hacksaw blade or like the the blade god damn there's still scars on that person's back to this day and or, chains jesus I, I remember getting my ass whipped with a yardstick never a, a plastic coat hanger once i think those little you know those little paddles yep. with the rubber ball on them when those yep. would break my mom yep. had a stack of them bitches uh <laughs> yeah i mean and i was Kind of a troublesome kid. I mean, my mom wasn't abusive by any means. I mean, maybe a little bit more aggressive on, on the punishment than she needed to be, but I wouldn't say abusive by any means. Well, I mean, but here's the thing is when you beat your kids like that, here's what they're going to do. They're going to be fucking kids. We had contests to see who could get hit the most time by a rubber hose without crying. I actually, yeah, I, I know I triggered my parents on purpose a lot. Because you don't care. And even yeah, I'm like, fuck it. Know, Bring it on, bitch. <laughs> even if you know somebody's going to beat the shit out of you, you don't care because that's just pain and it'll fade. Yeah. And it, it honestly it became a game. It does not matter. It's a game. Because, I mean, eventually, especially if you get somebody that riled up, you end up just, they do what they're going to do and then you go about your freaking business and basically do whatever the hell you wanted to do in the first place. Exactly. Uh, which is why, uh, yeah, anyways, so, so yeah, so yeah, 
chains. Yeah, hack claws, um, arm tools, stuff like that. And I mean, that was my stepdad. And like, you know, he also was very abusive to the animals. Like he would take things, he would take shovels and just hit them in the face with a, with a shovel. Which personally, it made me laugh because the last time he did that, that I was aware of, um, the horse turned around and kicked him. And I laughed because <laughs> guess what? karma's a bitch. And this one, oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not talking about some small horse. I'm talking about a 16-hand Percheron Shire Cross. Like a big old plow horse. Yes. And when I say 16 hands, um, I believe each hand, if I remember correctly, is like four and a half inches or five and a half inches. Yeah, something like that. So they're, they're huge horses. Like, I'm five foot six, and I couldn't reach the top of his head. Yeah. Like, wow. I, I would literally tell this horse, put your head down, and he put his head down. Wow. Like... He was the gentlest fucking horse, and that's part of, like, it's just, like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, you just don't do that. So, I mean, there's that. Sometimes It's amazing that there wasn't some kind of punishment for that shit. Like you said, they tend tend to like their animals more than they do the women. I mean, no, there wasn't. Because, you know, he's the man of the house because he's my stepdad. Yeah, and it's his property and whatnot. Uh huh. Yeah. Exactly. And did you know that, like, even if you worked as a teenager at a job, I don't know if this is true for all communities, but I know this is true for my communities. They would take whatever wages you earn, and that was your parents' money. Oh, that's messed up. Yep. It was in, and it was basically your fee for freaking living in their house. That kind of thing. Yep. And so because school ends at 13, 14, because you only go to eighth grade, from there on out, like, the boys are generally working somewhere or making some form of money and all of that money. Like, even the girls will be helping doing shit on their family farms, like milking cows by hand and shit like that. And all of that money goes to your parents. Not going to lie. I milk cows for... For a summer, one time, and the the freaking um, we only hand milked the freaking the ones that you know maybe had an infection in the udder or something Bastitis. like that. Yep. Yeah, so that was the only ones we actually hand milked. But that is fucking brutal. <laughs> yep. If that doesn't cause some freaking arthritis, I mean, shit. Four cows, morning and night. Not. I even. mean, it it was enough just hooking up the machine. But when you actually had to milk out the freaking, like, massage out the mastitis, oh, my God. Ugh. Oh, my God. Like, and it's, it's disgusting and it stinks. Oh, my God. And it's discolored. And, oh, and it just, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It just brought, it brought a memory back. <laughs> Ooh. Gross. I don't like you right now because you're making me think about cow mastitis and that's nasty. <laughs> Um, All right, so uh, let's see. Try to get back on topic. <laughs> uh, we have troubles. Oh yeah. Um, all right, so we address the education thing. Yes. And and we address the patriarchy. Uh, yep. There's a lot of patriarchy. And um... and we also address the once you're out of the the community. I mean they. 
when you like you said when you go non-conforming they they shun you completely right i mean aside from the harassment and the because i'm sure they harass everybody that non-conforms but you, you probably just got a special taste of it because you did yeah the court but I'm sure that they try to bring a, bring people back in all the damn time. They they get out. Well, see, that's interesting because okay, so when you're talking about that like that aspect specifically, um, so like, um, yes, there is a lot of harassment and pressure to return to the ways of thy youth. So there's hope for your soul. Can you sense the sarcasm I have in that? Oh, yes. I can. Okay, well. Um, there is a lot of pressure with that. At one point in time, I was trying to mend my relationship with my egg donor because I still believe that even though she was narcissistic, she actually really did the best she could with what she had and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And what I came to realize through all that is that, no, she's not. Because after, so this is in 2014 is the last contact that I had with her. Um, she had written me a letter, and in her letter, even though everything had happened the way that it happened, she starts talking about how the rapists that raped me were at her house, and it was so wonderful, and it's just it's so Like a sad. one happy family thing again. Yes. Minus yes. you weren't there. Yes. And that was literally when I said, okay, I'm moving. No forwarding address. I'm done. I, I can't do this because oh, totally that, that. that is like, it, it's literally saying that your rapists are welcome in your home. They're welcome to sit down and eat with you, but I'm not because I'm unforgiving. Oh, and I'm going to hell because, you know, there's no hope for my soul. Oh, and you wouldn't forgive and, them. And yes, um, and the thing is, is that forgiveness, as defined by what I was told it meant when I was growing up, which means, which was kind of fucked up, because it was, forgiveness is, it means you don't talk about it, and you don't think about it, and you never, like, you, you just act like it ever happened. And to me, that's called denial. Yeah. That's, that's not forgiveness. No. So as long as I speak about it or am open about the trauma that I went through, according to them, that definition of forgiveness, I'm not being forgiving. Um, but forgiveness to me as a person, you know, it kind of means more like you don't hold ill will towards that person. Yeah. But how do you really forgive pedophiles? Can Is that really possible? Because I've never achieved that and I'm okay with that. I don't know that that's... I, I mean, don't I don't think that's possible. I mean, you can forgive them in a sense, but never really forgive them. <clears throat> I mean, it's kind of hard what I'm, what I'm thinking, how to describe it. I mean, I think you, can, I... you can forgive them for yourself, but you can't forgive their actions. Well, no, because every time... You feel like you might have forgiven them. Here's what happens. You get a fucking nightmare. You get a fucking flashback. And you're forced to relive 
this whole fucking thing all over again against your will because even though you don't necessarily want to remember it, your brain remembers what happened. Your brain associates certain smells. There is a fucking um, deodorant and men's cologne that I literally to this day cannot stand the smell of it. It I makes your stomach get tight or something. It's made me throw up. It's yeah. made me... No. So... Again, just because you want to not have to deal with it doesn't mean your body doesn't remember. It doesn't mean you don't have a physical response to it. Yeah. And that's not something you choose when you have PTSD. And a lot of people are really confused about that. Like, it's it's like when it happens. They think it's something you can control. It's like, oh, you just got to take deep breaths. And it's like. Oh, shit. I wish that was that. It was that easy. Or you just got to leave it in the past. Yeah. Really? You you think I wouldn't if I could? You think uh, I, I haven't I, tried? I try to uh, every once in a while I hear I need to forgive myself for the things that you know that that because I have a moral issue. Yes. And and I was like, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> it's it's really hard to do. I mean, a lot easier said than done, especially yeah. when it goes against your moral and, code. And I don't fault those people for saying it because. They're just trying to help, but it's really hard to forgive yourself for something that you, you did or didn't do, you know? Uh, yeah, because you're holding yourself to your own moral standards. Yeah. And, and, that's, then, kind of, and, and that's not even question putting their, their moral standard into, into question because I mean, yep. they may be the most moral person in the world, but they're not going through your situation. No. And um, they can never really understand. And I feel like there is a complete lack of understanding in, I mean, in society in general, I feel like there's a complete lack of understanding of like, what are helpful things to do? And what are helpful things to say to people who have PTSD, who have had trauma, who have experienced these things? I feel like there's a want to understand, but there's a complete lack of understanding of what is helpful. Absolutely. This is actually a a really good transition right here. We can go into how we, how we cope and how people perceive it even. Well, you know, there's people that take like you having a trigger or having a flashback and an anxiety attack or whatever, whatever it is, they, they take that very, very personally and they often like become very uncomfortable with it. And then the other problem is, is like when you're going through something like that, um, for people that have never experienced trauma, it can literally be overwhelming for them to the point where they just, they don't know what to do and it makes them completely uncomfortable and they just want out of that conversation And so part of the dilemma that we as people who are going through it have is that when somebody says, it's okay, you can talk about it. Is it really okay, though, if I tell them about this specific incident that was so fucking horrifying that makes me feel to this day that I am fucking just drowning and dying and invokes a physical response in me? If I tell them about this, are they really going to be okay with it? Yeah, that's How that's much? what makes it the hardest hardest thing to do is somebody that can't relate. Can't I mean, relate. Even, they just yeah, they don't know. I mean, even 
even I've talked to psychologists and shit or psychiatrists, freaking brain doctors. Yeah. And and some and they get it to a base point because they're trained to kind of slightly understand these things. But then you tell them a detailed something and you can see their head just like, oh my God, really? <laughs> Even when they're not making the, oh my God, really face, you can just see it in their eyes. Well, I mean, and I've even had like, I had a therapist tell me, a psychologist tell me that, you know, the whole reason that I'm attracted to women is because my mother was the way that she was. If she didn't take care of me and she didn't protect me and blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Some sweetie. Sigmund Freud nonsense. That's not even literally. I told my mother I was going to grow up and marry a woman. And then the shit happened. Like, you don't understand. This part of me existed before that happened. Yeah. Or, like, I've had... Okay, I'm I'm a really judgmental person sometimes. <laughs> but I've found that when it comes to working with people in mental health... Um, you know, I just want to make a statement that if a therapist or a psychologist or psychiatrist cannot refrain from looking at you as an anomaly, treating you like you are a fucking display in a circus, acting like having you relive your trauma for their research is helpful. How the fuck do we expect society to help us? Yeah. These exactly. are people who are supposed to be able to understand or even help us but unfortunately there's often times where like I mean I've seen a lot of different therapists over these 16 years and the one that I'm with currently I've been with for years and that's because this one was different because when I go see a therapist and the therapist starts talking about, well, you can pray about this. Automatic strike, you're done. I don't need your fucking ideology. Come on, man. <laughs> if I go see a therapist and they talk about you need to forgive them, again, automatic strike, you're done. Yeah, because that's kind of an ideo ideological thing there, too. Forgiveness is, I mean, yep. it, it's not an ideology thing, but it is. If I go see a therapist and they ask me to sign a paper to sign up for their research program because I'm almost an anomaly, oh, automatic no. strike. Mm -hmm. I'm Bye. not a research project. Bye. I'm not your research project. If you believe, if you firmly believe that I am only gay because of my mother, go fuck yourself. Yeah, that's that's insane and extremely insensitive. And so it's weird for me to say because I'm not the most sensitive person all the time. Um, yeah, that's a little bit extremely insensitive, but like, it's also like a, you clearly did not hear the order of events that transpired. Yeah. Don't and ask so, me my story if you're not going to listen. Exactly. Bingo. You get it. So I think that as far as like therapists, um, coping strat strategies, like some people benefit from like EMDR therapy. I have done that. Some people benefit from like um, DBT. I don't really know how to explain that, but if you look into DBT, like that can be really helpful. Um, there's also sometimes it can be helpful because EMDR, I definitely know, can be very traumatic. Um, if sometimes you may need to take um, medications that will help you progress through and process these things. 
and that's okay too. Um, I actually had a guest on a couple weeks ago, and she d- does EMDR. She swears by it. Yeah. And she yeah. was a, kind of the victim of a narcissist herself, but in a different way. Gotcha. Um, and then, like, the other thing is, is so when you go searching for a therapist, you don't just settle for the first therapist that will take you. You find a therapist that you can bear your soul to. You need to find somebody that will not look at you as an anomaly in a circus and, you know, all this other shit. You need to find somebody you're compatible with. Because if you can't feel comfortable with your therapist, you're never going to get anywhere in therapy. No, absolutely. You're going to open up. You're never going to open up. You're never going to process. You're never going to get anywhere. So it's important. It's very important that you vet your therapist for you. Learn to set boundaries. Because like one of the things that I definitely learned is like setting boundaries is very important as far as sense of self-worth. Oh, absolutely it is. You know, um, some people may be able to discontinue therapy eventually. Some people may not. Uh, But yeah, therapy is a helpful tool. It can be a very helpful tool. (sighs) Anyways. So not to try to, hopefully this doesn't cause a trigger, but generally what kind of things tend to trigger your anxiety people who were never Amish trying to tell me what it's like to be Amish people who dismiss things um, you know just knowing like for example knowing that I'm going to come on this podcast and talking about the Amish things and these types of issues it kind of made me very very anxious but I also know that for me it it it's imperative that I use my voice. It's also why I tried to. It's also why I tried to reassure you that this is going to be a peaceful place. I am absolutely non-judgmental. I, I, I know it's difficult to talk about. Thank you. I, I do appreciate that. Um, I I just think that a lot of times, like people dismissing, making statements. Uh, about things that they really don't understand. Like that's really an anxiety thing. I know that right now, like, because I'm, I'm, I'm at heightened awareness state and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, if somebody were to come up from, from behind and touch me, I probably punch them. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know every if time not, my anxiety gets really riled up, I get almost yeah. paranoid, but not paranoid. I'm just like super alert. Well, it's called hyper Hyper hypervigilance. Yeah, yeah, that one. Hypervigilance. Um, I know that. Well, believe it or not, I found out within the last two years that having rats, pet rats, is something that causes me to become very hypervigilant. And somebody, a dumbass decided to um, actually take a rat and put it on me and I had the biggest fucking trigger that I'd had in years. So it's rodents. <laughs> yes. Somewhat. I don't know. I just know that there's a 
there's a trauma that's involved with like rodents and that's kind of like where so that you didn't, from. you if don't you actually have... know what caused that one or oh i know exactly mean... what caused that one but i don't feel like i'm willing to share that with the that's world that's absolutely fine um just know that i was tortured with rodents yeah i assumed it was probably something crazy like that um so like those are things that you don't really have control over and i literally did not fucking know like for years i just Oh, it's a rat. Yeah. No, I don't want to touch it. No, I don't want to hold it. No, no. And then when when that happened and somebody just put it on me and it just like instantly I was reliving this event. And yeah, sometimes I rock when things um, get a little overwhelming. Sometimes that helps. Um, Sometimes it's a matter of finding whatever sensory thing that it is that comforts you. Have you tried like a weighted blanket? I actually have one of those. Um, I also have uh, compression sheets on my bed. Ooh. Talk about fucking comfortable. It's like a cocoon. It's freaking amazing. But I have to keep my arms out because I'm yeah. always hypervigilant. <laughs> yeah. And I have this um, hammock in the backyard that like kind of hugs you when you sit in it. And so, like, that's really, really soothing when you're rocking. And, and I, my son's room has a, a Lycra hammock. Yeah. You know, that stretchy fabric, like the compression sheets. Yep. And that thing is, that thing, I, I, it, I sit in it and it stretches to the floor. <laughs> so I'm laying on the freaking floor, but just the compression, it's, it's real freaking nice. It's it's really just finding, I think, like, truthfully, the most important thing for anybody with with PTSD, with trauma in their lives, like, really, is to find whatever it is that'll help them process through that. And I've even also, found my uh, inversion table. It, yeah. I guess something to do with the blood flow. Freaking, it helps settle me down. It's weird. Yeah. And then, you know, again, like the five things that we were talking about earlier. That is so fucking helpful. Like, and, and, you know, just to know that you don't have to do five, four, three, two, one, because when I'm in a triggered state, I don't have the mental capacity to go five, four, three, two, one. That's why it works for me when I do it five, 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 because I don't have that mental capacity. I can't keep up. I lose track of where I was. I literally cannot switch. Oh, no. Does, it, no, does I, that make I, sense? It makes sense to me. I completely lock up. Like, I, I just, I can't focus on a whole lot. I mean, I, it's it's hard for me to find five things sometimes. But, right. you know, you just take your freaking time. You breathe, you look around, you do whatever the step you're on. And you just take your time doing it. It's not like you have to rush through and say, oh, I see this, 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 this. Oh, I smell this, 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 this. I feel this, 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 this. You just take your freaking time. Exactly. And you you focus on looking for the item. It's kind of um, bringing yourself. To the present moment. Yes. Yeah. Bringing yourself back down to Uh, reality. I I have to do a similar thing driving to keep my focus so I don't black out mm -hmm. sometimes. Because flashing lights... Mm-hmm. Uh, glares off of things, it'll send me into an autopilot where I'll just drive. Like I'll be driving, and this happened a few times while I was working. And my service truck was white. 
the sun and it was about an hour drive from where I got off the helicopter and would drive home and a glare would hit the hood and I would lose like 45 minutes. I'd be almost home by the time I, I came to, it, it was weird. So I had to, between music, uh, singing songs and stuff to keep myself down to, and down to earth and connected mm-hmm. or counting landmarks or just naming landmarks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's a very similar thing. Um, I will say this too, like I actually, um, for people who have scars, um, I have a ton of scars from some of the physical abuse. Um, and one of the things that I did is I, I really, really hate the scars on my arms and I ended up getting a tattoo, one on each forearm. And actually the one on my right forearm, it's about my past and it says shunned and it says no regrets. So it says shun. You got regrets shun. spelled right, right? It doesn't say regrets. Yes, it's spelled right. I'll send you a damn picture. Uh, <laughs> but it says shunned because it's me owning what they did to me. They shunned me and I'm yeah. shunned. And that's okay. Um, and then it has a covering that is on fire. And the reason covering is on fire is because I had a black covering that I wore to ch- church. And that was what I was allowed to wear when I was when I became non-conforming and I ended up burning it. And so that was kind of cathartic. So I felt like having a tattoo of that would be really fucking awesome. And then seam rippers crossed over like a skull and crossbones. Oh, that's pretty cool. Except instead of a skull and crossbones, it's a bonnet burning with seam rippers. And the seam rippers are there to indicate that when I did all these things, it really ripped open the wound. It ripped open the community. It ripped open everything that happened. And then yeah. um, no regrets because that is what I have. I don't have regrets about doing that. I don't have any regrets about that. Absolutely. Um, but then there's also the color blue. I'm sure you noticed my hair is blue. Yeah. Um, because... When I was a little girl, I always wanted to dye my hair blue. And I was always told this story. Clearly, like, people think that, oh, kids don't remember this stuff, or it's not that bad, whatever, whatever. But I was always told this story of a girl that was like me, an opgangana, because they have words for us, specifically the ones who are non-conforming. We're all opgangana. And she loved the color blue, so she put on a blue dress. She painted her nails blue, she put on blue on her face, and then she dyed her hair blue, and then she died. Hmm. When I dyed my hair blue, I had a panic attack that lasted for hours until I realized that, oh my God, I'm not going to die because I dyed my hair blue, for the record. (laughs) Oh, man. That's wild. Just wild, right? Yeah. So I put the color blue in my no regrets because I don't have fucking regrets. Yeah. And then the color purple, we were not allowed to wear the color purple because purple's for whores. But anyways, that's the best thing about this tattoo is the fact that when I look at my arm, it does not matter what other people see, if they see the scars or not. But when I look at my arm, my eyes are instantly drawn to a symbol of me owning what happened to me but also moving past it. My other forearm 
has a tattoo that is indicative of my life today. That it's a full circle thing right there. Past and the present. You know, I think that's actually a good spot to end end this on, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Um, we've been going for, well, with actually over an hour now. Oh, my. Yeah, it's it's rare I do this. But it's this was a really nice conversation. I I really appreciate you opening up. And, I mean, I know it's difficult, and especially with your situation, it's got to be extremely difficult. But I, I definitely appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. And I hope, um, you know, this helps somebody out there. If you're struggling, you know, you can always reach out. I do have a Facebook page you can message me on. It's called Mary Byler, just like that. All uh, right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Uh, give me just a second here. I'm going to close it up. Um, like I said, I do really appreciate you um, coming on. And I hope everybody gets something from this. And I hope it does help so help somebody. And I'm always available as well. You can find me on Twitter at Danielson Chuck because I use my name. And that's about it because I'm not scared to hear this, <laughs> to have people stalk me and ask me questions. I don't mind. <laughs> I like talking to people. I like helping people. And I'm always here to help. Just remember every day is a victory. Keep pushing forward.